Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Coming In For A Landing podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Here's your host, Paul Hudrick. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coming In For A Landing podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. I am your host, Paul Hudrick, and I am joined by a very special guest that I am just so excited to talk to. Uh, you know him from NBC Sports Philadelphia and as one of the hosts of the Sixers Talk podcast. I think he used to have a really, really, really dope co-host on that podcast um he's got a pretty good one now um that is of course my good friend danny palmels danny it's so good to talk to you man how are you uh g- glad to be here we haven't even talked spider-man either have you seen spider well listen um because of uh, uh because of Omicron reasons, i have not and because of having a newborn right. child i have not gotten to see spider-man yet and it is taking <clears throat> me apart inside i was about to say i know that is really burning you up there's a nice uh, batman trailer with it too uh, so. I oh I saw the I saw the Batman trailer online and it looks awesome. Um, that one I'm not missing. I, I so, we're fi- that one I'm getting figured out one way or another. Right, right. <laughs> I think it's March, right? March, uh, early March. So we're we're figuring that one out. That one's getting that one's getting resolved. Um, Good. But yeah, the Spider Man thing, man, it's burning me up inside. I can't wait. I've somehow avoided everything, but I know I'm I'm playing with fire there. It's a dangerous game I'm playing. So I will I say it. this though, um, not to be all so divergent because I know we're just getting started, but. Uh, we I, I found a theater where it was almost empty, bro. Me and the kids saw it, so the, the possibilities are out there. So that's where I'm thinking. Like by yeah. next week, I might be able to land a spot in like an AMC in a corner, sitting by myself, double mask it. Yeah, if you go to an early one, I think you'll you'll exactly. definitely find something. Right, yeah. matinee, sit in the corner in a, in like a, a movie theater is nowhere near anything. Maybe like yeah, I, yeah. I, I I might be able to figure it out. We'll see. Um, I'm hoping I can get that that figured out. But yeah, we're here to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers and talk some hoops. Uh, <laughs> last night, the Sixers do pull out a win last night in Toronto. It was uncomfortably close. I guess it's a good way to frame it. But Joel Embiid was Joel Embiid at 36, looked pretty much unstoppable for most of the game. The rest of the team, not so much. Um, he really kind of dragged them to a win last night. I think that's a fair way to put it. Uh, when you look at the game last night, Danny, and you kind of look at the stretch recently from Joel Embiid where he's been, I mean, he's been himself, I guess. Right. I mean, he's, he's a perennial MVP candidate. I think it's fair to categorize, categorize him as, and he's played like that over the last few weeks, but are you a little concerned that perhaps he's not getting enough help because like he has to do this, right? I mean, if he doesn't do this, they're not winning games. So are you a little concerned that he's just carrying a little bit too much of the load right now? Yeah, I think they had like a 26-point lead last night at one point. Uh, so to to squander that definitely is not fun to watch. Like you're a fan at home, like, ah, like just, you know, get get put them away. You know what I mean? Um, put them out of their misery. But 
when I look at Joel and bro, I, I also didn't tell you, I, I got surprised on Christmas with tickets to the Wizards game. So me and Michaela drove down to uh, DC and watched the Sixers against the Wizards and, uh, and the whole Montrez Harrell stuff and all that. It, it was just, you know, times, Joel yeah. just being Joel. Was she wearing Joel and B. she? Is she wearing her Celtic stuff or what? She wasn't, but bro, <laughs> I had an Eagles head on. Um, and the people gave me guff about it. And it was, I hadn't, I haven't gotten guff from my team for a, a long time. So it, it felt kind of good. Like <laughs> somebody giving it to me a little bit and, and going back and forth with somebody. Cause uh, we went to sit down at this restaurant and I had the Eagles head on, like I said, and the dude was like, yeah, we're, uh, we're not seeing Eagles fans right now. Um, you have to wait another 45 minutes. Uh, all Eagles fans uh, need to wait. <laughs> so he was like going hard at me and we, we just started going back and forth. But um, so I saw Joel in, in DC and then to see him, you know, playing, you know, 72 points back to back nights, back to back games. Um, it, it was, I mean, he's, he's being the MVP candidate we saw from last season and the efficiency is there, the passing, the rebounding, like, like it's all there um, leading the league and post-ups like he he's the guy. So am I concerned about him getting help? I mean, I was concerned about that, you know, like 10 games ago, you know what I'm saying? I was concerned <laughs> about that, you know, way before. And I think we kind of got spoiled when that he came back and had that 40 plus point performance in that OT game. I forgot who, who that was against. Minnesota, um, was again, after- they lost, by the way. He was super, right, he was super right. human, and they still He lost. had another yeah. one after that, though, didn't he? Um, uh, well, against the Celtics, he had 41, and they right, won right. that Okay, game. all right, and yeah, against game. Minnesota, I, I guess it was the That was a yeah, nice win, so, the Celtics game, yeah. Right, so uh, point being is that, uh, yeah, I think he needs some help. Uh, thank God for George Niang. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, the second unit, you know, coming through and, and giving them some, some support. But I think the thing that I okay, he leads the team of rebounding and points. The thing I don't, I wish he didn't have to do as well is, which we you and I have definitely talked about in the past, is also be like the enforcer as well. So when Montrez Harrell, like he's got to bang down low with the guys, and Montrez Harrell's getting in his face, he got to go tech for tech with him and and all that. So I I feel like. Yeah, he obviously needs some help in, in more ways than just scoring and, you know, um, leadership and rebounding and things like that. Like, there's, there's also other nuances to it. So, um, but, hey, man, just enjoy the show for now. And there ain't a big difference between, as far as wins-wise, between Brooklyn and the Sixers. I think they're separated by five wins. Uh, do I expect the Sixers to be the top seed this season? Probably not. You know what I'm saying? But. At the same time, um, the Sixers have some ground to make up. And in this roller coaster of a season, the stock is pointing up at the moment. I mean, we're, we're a stupid loss against the Hawks away from a four-game win streak. You know what I'm saying? So um, there, there's reason to be optimistic in this topsy-turvy season. Right yeah, I'm now. glad you brought that up because you're right. Like, the East is pretty wide open, right? It's kind of a mess um, It right is. Now. And, like, they, Brooklyn, they can like, be as le- at least as good as the Bulls. Oh, and listen, they beat the Bulls wins. twice. They beat the Bulls yeah, twice already. So. Um, but and I look at like to me, I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like they are no worse than the fourth best team in this conference. I, I really feel that way. I feel like clearly Brooklyn and Milwaukee are Brooklyn and Milwaukee. They are the class of the conference. I think easily they are mm-hmm. the best two teams. After that, like maybe the Heat, maybe you put them at three right now. Um, but I don't. I, I can't put them. I can't put the Bulls ahead because they beat the Bulls twice. 
So like right now, I, I think it's not crazy to say that they're they are no worse than the fourth best. And that's with what they what they look like now. That's without a Ben sure. Simmons trade. Um, you know what I mean? I, I, I it's and on top the of that thing for me. As, as I think most Sixers fans are, you know, obviously had to deal with a long time ago being a, a fan of this team, but just it's just another almost but not quite type of season. That's the way it's shaping up to, I, you know, and I hate to project. We don't. I hate to project, but like, you know, it, it's, it's not, it's definitely not going to be the front runner type of season that you hoped would follow a number one seed. Well, I was gonna say, year. you know, what I'm saying? there was there was a front runner last year. How'd that work out? <laughs> right, yeah, but you you were hoping okay, consistency is about to develop. Like you know, the Eagles win the Super Bowl. You hope that the next season they're in the NFC Championship game at least. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. you just hope that you're playing, you know, um, kind of at your potential more frequently. And it's just that there's still you know a lot of things to figure out. But um, I, I just feel like. You know, just with that point, and I'm not, not to say, hey, they're not going to win a championship, blah, 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 blah. But it's just more or less that they're in a situation where they're have, having the fight from behind. And as we've seen, even in games like like that they play, it takes a lot of energy to get back into the hunt and then to be in front and lead the pack as well. You know what I'm saying? So I just um, they're going to spend a lot of energy trying to be in the same breath as Brooklyn and Chicago and Milwaukee. So, yeah, I, I mean, not, not to be too flowery about it. Cause I, I like to think I'm pretty, pretty much a realist. Like I, I kind of, I see what I see and I, and I, whatever, you know what I mean? And that's what I put out there. And like December was brutal. I mean, uh, granted they lost some games. Like you said, the, the game against Atlanta, brutal, the game against Miami, brutal. Uh, they, they lost some games that they should have won, but the schedule in December was really tough. And on top of that, you had the COVID issues, which everyone dealt with. But the Sixers are in. I hate to say it like this because I don't want to, like, minimize the situation, but the Sixers are kind of in an advantageous place because they got they got it COVID first. out of the way. I mean, <laughs> and last year, Seth Curry got it really bad. So he's already kind of out of the way. Tyrese Maxey had it before last season. So, like, the bulk of their players, the bulk of their rotational players are 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 kind of out of the woods there. They they've gotten through it. They're on the other side. So. And a lot of teams aren't like that right now. Um, a lot of other teams are are still in the thick of it and dealing with it. And on top of that, if you look at the Sixers' schedule, they play a lot more home games in January, and they play a lot more teams that are not, quite frankly, not very good. Now, I know the Sixers have had this weird thing where they have played down to the level of opponents. I don't want to discount that. But at the same time, if there was ever a moment for them to kind of seize an opportunity to go on a run, it is January because – as I mentioned, they will be getting healthier. I believe Shake Milton and Andre Drummond will be eligible to return in Brooklyn uh, in Thursday. Danny Green's not going to be far behind them, especially with the new rules allowing guys to come back earlier in protocols, because I believe, I could be mistaken, but I believe Danny Green um, was fully vaccinated vaccine and had very, very yeah. mild symptoms, and that's it. So realistically, he's probably going to be able to come back when you come home after the new year. So you're going to be, you're going to pretty much have going into, you know, going into 2022, you're going to have your full complement of players and you're going to have a schedule that softens up a bit. And that gives you a lot of home games. So there is an opportunity for them to make up some ground. So, I mean, I, I think, and, and, you know, to, to be the not flowery side of that, I think this is what you're, you're going to learn about them, right? I think this is going to tell you 
okay, this is a team that could do some things, or this is a team that's, that is what it is. And like you said, maybe it's just another year of kind of spinning their wheels and of not being that good. And this is not including the possibility of a Ben Simmons trade be- between now and February 10th, which I want to get into more of that, but we'll kind of get our, uh, ahead of ourselves a little bit with that one. We'll, we'll, we'll ease into that. Um, but the other thing, you, you know what? You talked about Joel and B. You didn't even bring up defense. At the end of the game, this guy, <laughs> Pascal Siakam and, and and Gary Trent Jr. are running pick and rolls with, and Joel Embiid and Matisse Stiebel are switching it. Like, it's nothing. And, like, think about that. Like, you are you just let Joel Embiid switch on, on the on the Gary Trent Jr. And you're just like, all right, cool. And you let Matisse switch on to Pascal Siakam. You're like, all right, cool. And it worked. It worked to perfection on the stretch. Um, the Sixers played really good defense because of those two guys and, and the level that they played at. But piggybacking off that and, and yeah. Joel and just kind of the load he's had to carry and the kind of lack of help, it seemed like Tobias Harris was on a pretty good stretch there. I mean, he had a couple of good games in a row. I thought he looked pretty good in D.C. He provided kind of that complimentary scoring you need for Joel Embiid. He had a triple-double. Um, I get that, but I got to be honest with you. It was, I don't want to say it was a hollow triple-double because I think that's unfair, but like, I think even he would agree with you that that's not the game. Like, even though he had triple-double, he did not play up to his potential. He did not have a very good night. I, I don't even know how to phrase it. Like, are, are you worried about Tobias Harris? Like, w- 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 yeah. is it just, are you just, is it just to you? Like, no, this is like more of the same for him. Like, wh- where, where are you at with Tobias right now? honestly feel like uh bias you heard him talk about that he still feels like sometimes he has a cold every day after having covid and um you know he he had the little what what was it a hip injury or what have you um right hip injury yep yeah so i i feel like he's still trying to recapture some of his flow Am I worried about him? I'm actually a little encouraged by this one fact that he was he had, he he got she shot 14 free throws, bro. Like that yeah, is, is definitely high. not his bag. Yeah, that's not his bag. I think two out of the last three games he had like double digit free throws. You know, I think he um, had eight against. Uh, well, no, it might have been okay. ten against Wizards, but yeah, no, I hear you. That's it's it's very encouraging. So I think you know, real scores, you know when it's not going for them from the floor or from the outside, they're getting to the line to get their points. You know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, they, they, the Sixers, the starters sucked last night by and large, you know, um, thank God for George Niang. Thank God for the bench. Uh, Furkan Korkmaz hitting double digits two games in a row. I just feel like um, in games like last night where Joel has, is pulling his weight and it, it just exacerbates when Tobias Harris isn't playing well. It is just more so much more glaring because no one's out there helping him. And you got this guy, well, well, like who is out there? And you're like, well, Tobias is making X amount of dollars and he's not giving any production. So it's easy to like glom on and like call him out for that. Um, so I really I don't think that he is being maximized with the roster that they have now because there's no one to set him up and, and as much as, you know, he was previously when Ben Simmons was around. So, um, and back to Joel's point, like so much of the roster is built around Ben, you know? Um, Yes, it is built around both of them, but 
you know, they, they surround the shooters and people who can, you know, catch and shoot and things like that to, you know, benefit the fact that Ben's going to be ma- making plays. So I- I'm not super worried about Tobias Harris because I don't think he's uh, anything but what, what, what he has been. Um, do I feel like it's time for him to move on and, and look elsewhere and all that? I don't know if I'm quite there yet. I just feel like they have other issues to figure out. and He's not exactly the number one reason that they're not playing well. I have to be really honest with you. You kind of flipped my thought process with that. I, I don't. I, yeah, it's, it's just no, weird, you're, you're man. Not, it's just so yeah. many nuances and you got to like. Uh, yeah, because like, because quite frankly, like he didn't like, sometimes. He didn't play uh, to me. I, I didn't think he played particularly well last night. I thought he, he especially down the stretch, man, he missed a lot of bunnies. He missed a lot of good looks at the He got those good looks to his credit, but he missed right. them. Um, and then you see on the other side, Pascal Siakam, a guy who's kind of a similar type of player, right? Who's like, he, he has made he an all-star great, team, man. but he's like a, a fringy all-star, kind of a tweener. Great, like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You see Siakam kind of just really, he kept the, the Raptors. In, they, that's a blowout if Siakam doesn't play last night because he, he was awesome. So I guess like I see a thing, I see a guy like Siakam. And don't get me wrong, Siakam has bad nights too. So like I, I don't, I don't want to act like Siakam's the greatest player in the world or anything, or like he's like this exponentially better player. And I, but I think that to your point about, you know, when Joel does well and that kind of exacerbates when Tobias struggles, I think something like that too exacerbates it. When you see a guy like Siakam, you're like, why can't Tobias be this? Why can't Tobias be more like Siakam? And that kind of drives you a little, you know what I mean? It, make, it makes you wish, yeah. you know, because you think about it like that, like, man, if you if you flip Siakam for Tobias, the Sixers outlook might be a little bit different. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's stuff like that. And it's just but I think you make you raise some really good points. It, it, one is I agree with you on the free throws, because that's something that's never been a part of his game. It's something he's tried to do. It's something he's never been able to do, never been very good at. The irony of him being able to do it in a season where they're calling less and looking for guys, you know what I mean? That they're not wanting to call fouls as freely. So for him, the last couple of games to do that speaks kind of volumes to what he's been doing. And it shows that he's been more aggressive. He's been driving to the basket. He's been trying to finish strong through contact. So yeah, I, I think that does leave you a little bit encouraged. I'm not encouraged by the fact that he's not, he's not hitting threes. I don't know what happened to his three ball. I don't know what's going on with his outside shot. That concerns me because Definitely. to your point, with Joel I mean, this P. is the guy who was forty percent from three last year. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly so. It's it's a concern. I mean, it, I guess in a way, it, you should it, maybe I should feel the opposite. Maybe I should feel encouraged because you you would think over the course of an eighty-two game season, he'll he'll get more towards the mean, and he's been around forty percent for the last you know four four or five seasons. So you would think that that'll even out a little bit, and he'll start making some, and that that you know that luck could change. So. Uh, you could, you know, an optimist might look at it like that. The other point you bring up, and it's something that I've talked about a lot, and it's just that I think without Ben Simmons, I think he might be the guy who has been hurt the most by it. And I love Tyrese Maxey. I think Tyrese Maxey has the potential to be a star player in this league, and I don't think that's hyperbole. I don't think that's exaggerating. I really believe that. But he's also 21 years old, and he's not a true point guard. So say what you want about Ben Simmons. He's an excellent passer. He has great court vision, and he finds these guys, and he gets these guys open looks. And I think Tobias is a guy that has really suffered without a true point guard in the lineup. So, yeah, perhaps if they make a move, if they, you know, and a true point guard comes in the fold, I don't know what that player is, I don't know what it looks like, but if you can get that guy more time with Tobias, maybe that helps Tobias's game, even if it's like 
you bring in like a steady backup point guard and Tyrese still starts, but you do those kind of bench lineups with Tobias and have him play with a true point guard more. Maybe that helps him. Maybe that gets him going a little bit. I don't know. But I think, yeah, I think you, I have to be honest, Dan, you raised some really good points and you kind of, <laughs> I, I kind of went from being more worried about Tobias to being like, all right, maybe I, maybe I need to take a step back and kind of like, all right, like there, there are some reasons for encouragement. There are some reasons to think he still might turn us around. It was a bad night from, from the floor. And I think maybe I just look at Siakam on the other side and maybe, maybe have a little bit of a wandering eye a little bit when, when I see a guy like him play so well. Um, I brought this up to Noah um, that even um, when, I, when I saw him come to the press conference, like, yeah, it's, just, it's the penultimate game with the regained trip. Uh, you know, they went from D.C. to Toronto. That's not a short flight. But he, even when he stepped to the, to the podium, he just looked a little haggard, a little bit, Almost you know, yeah. uh, a, a little bit like, you know, he, like he said, he hasn't been feeling well since he got COVID, and he's still trying to recapture some of what he lost, you know. So That's it's fair. just uh, my That's perception. Fair. So I, I feel like overall, though, figuring out that backcourt, you bring up a great point about that. Like they, they just need to – because I think Doc was – it, like in Seth at the point for a while, and I and, and does he want Maxi with the second unit? And that whole b- backcourt situation, I think, needs to be figured out. So, if that's via trade or just by attrition, like something needs to get figured out. Speaking of Doc, uh, we I would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about his post game comments and <laughs> the back and forth he had with uh, Keith Pompey, the Philadelphia Inquirer. Unless I want to preface this by saying you and I both know Keith. We both like Keith. We, we get oh, along absolutely. with Keith. Keith got me 100%. into the, the, the Basketball Writers Association. Keith Pompey is a good dude, um, and he is good at his job. And so I want to preface it by saying that. And that's how I feel. If you feel differently, that's your opinion. Uh, I'm just telling you how I feel, and I want to make that abundantly clear before we even go into that. We have to pause for a short break, but we'll be right back with more with Danny Palmels right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But just if, in case you didn't see it, Keith Pompey asked Doc Rivers, you know, do you have concern that you weren't able to kind of step on Toronto's throat and kind of put them away and that it was such a close game? Um, considering Toronto is missing, you know, the, no Fred Van Vliet, no Scotty Barnes, no OG Ananobi. You could argue those are, you know, maybe, you know, you throw Siakam in there. So it's like three of their best four players, basically, were, were out of the lineup is a good way to put it. Um, no Ken Birch either. I mean, they, they, they were definitely down some players. So... And Doc's response was basically, no, like, I, I don't like I we won the game and I don't really I really don't I really don't give a shit. We won the game. It doesn't really matter if we won by 20 or we won by one. It's a win is a win. For me, Danny. And I think you may face, feel similarly. I feel like they, they're kind of both right. Like, I feel like Keith 100 percent fair to ask that question, like just because you won that game doesn't mean you have to feel good about it. Like you can win a game and not feel good about it and see some of the things. And again, what we talked about off the top, be a little bit concerned that without Joel Embiid, they probably get blown out. Joel Embiid had to carry them and drag them to the finish line. Um, But at the same time, if you're Doc Rivers, 
Yeah, wh- whether you win by 20 or whether you win by one, it's a win. There are no style points in the NBA. At the end of the season, no one's going to look back and say, oh, man, the Sixers really, you know, they, they only beat a shorthanded Toronto team by five points on December 28th. Like, no one gives a shit. It's, it's, it's old news. It's a win in, 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 the, in the grand scheme of things. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I can definitely see it from both sides. I think it probably escalated to a point where both guys probably, I would say, maybe regretted a little bit or maybe they even neither one of them wanted it to get to that point. Um, just Danny, when you saw the comments and you reflecting back, what, what did you kind of make of the whole thing? I feel like you are hit the nail on the head. Like I could see both sides of it. Um, maybe doc got a little too emotional, uh, just, you know, calling him a, a dumbass question. Like he said, um, I, I feel like I really admire Keith for being able to ask the tough questions you know, it's not easy working a beat in that regard where you're sometimes, you know, need the needle or a little bit more or follow up when other other people might not or things like that. So I don't I've feel asked, like there was I've any- asked Doc not tough questions and I've gotten snarky ass responses from him. Like, it's, right, he, right. he can be so, like that. Um, I mean, and, and it's and it's tough, too, because not to cut you off, but like it's tough, too, because from an emotional standpoint, if you're Doc Rivers and and it's it's the nature of sports. So, I mean, it's the reality of the job and it's why these guys get paid a lot of money, but like you just got done a game. You're emotional. You just won. You feel almost like a sense of relief. And then to be hit with that question first, I can understand it from that perspective too. But yeah, uh, continue, please. Yeah. Um, no, nah, but they had, they had a 12 point lead in the game. Um, so did, 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 should they have put them away based on that? I mean, you know, Docs has a, has a good point. Like, we, we weren't up that much. Both teams are missing players. We're missing key rotational guys. You know, yeah, maybe they have more people out than us. But to Keith's point, they had just lost to a Hawks team who, at home, who, who had half a dozen guys out. You know what I'm saying? So the, I, I can see both sides of it. So I feel like the question was valid. I think Doc was a little more emotional maybe than he should have been. But – yeah, um, I don't think, you know, there was part of it where he kind of questioned Keith's, you know, acumen of, like, how much basketball he's played. See, I don't think I there's really any shit. need for that. I, you know what I'm saying? I hate that shit more than anything because... I don't think there's any need for that at all. No, really and, like, and, like, and like, it's not... And the other thing that's that, that I don't like about it is, like, with Doc, we all respect that Doc was an NBA... Like, Doc was an NBA All-Star. He's won a championship. Like, I... We have like all of including Keith have nothing but respect for what he has done and for what he's accomplished and for him being in the position that he's in. With that said, did Greg Popovich play in NBA games? You know what I mean? Greg Popovich is a close friend of Doc Rivers. Like did Greg Popovich win NBA championships? And was he an NBA all-star? Like, no, but he's arguably the greatest coach of all time. Like you don't need to be that good. Like you don't need to be a, a, who have had a great NBA playing career in order to be a great coach. Look at the coach on the other sideline. Who is Nick Nurse? Nick, you know what I mean? Like Nick Nurse, Nick Nurse right. didn't have an NBA pedigree as a coach before he got the Raptors job. He was in the G League and won a championship. So, like, yeah. I mean, I, Boonholes are won the championship. So right. Like, I, I don't so I I I hate, 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 hate when former players and coaches say stuff like that as if the opinions of people that didn't play the game are completely invalid simply because I wasn't blessed with the athletic ability to be an NBA player like Doc Rivers was. That's That means my opinion is in. And again, that's not taking away anything from him or, or his career or the, the admiration or respect I have for him as a player or a coach. But like, I, I hate, 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 hate when people do that. 
Yeah, that was just uncalled for. And, and <clears throat> I, I, you know, Doc was upset. And, you know, who knows? It might have had something to deal with another question from a previous uh, press conference or a carryover type of vibe or whatever. But um, I see both sides of it. I, I feel like Doc took it a little too far. But, you know, um, you know, I'm obviously a little more partial to the journalism side of it where I feel like that's a tough, tough job. You know, obviously Keith, you know, everybody doesn't get to travel with the team. He's there, you know, trying to, you know, get to the core of an issue the team has had in some aspects. And Doc himself has criticized the team in time, games that they've won, saying that they didn't still didn't play well. So there's still a undertone of the question and the core of it, there is really nothing wrong with it. And and you hate being as a reporter, being a part of the story. You know, you suddenly you're a part of the story. You know, so um, it's like one of the first journalism things is like don't make right. yourself the story. So it's tough. Yeah, and it's and it, it, I you know, and I don't think that that was that certainly wasn't Keith's mission was you know to make himself the story. That yeah. definitely is not what he wanted. Um, it's just a just an unfortunate byproduct of the situation. So yeah, I mean, I I agree with you too that I think I think Doc certainly took it too far i think he could have just left uh, he didn't have to call it a dumbass question i think that was a little extreme um he probably didn't have to go there like it's just like i said i think with in hindsight now both guys looking back on it would probably regret how uh, how it all turned out right i, I think both of them would i think keith kind of calling him out for being emotional was a little bit maybe keith should have done that he, like uh, and that's not and that's not to again that's because the level of admiration and respect i just talked about with doc i have the same thing for keith like you mentioned, Keith is the one guy who travels with the team, who, who has that opportunity. He's been on the beat for years. He's a great reporter. He, he If you're if there is a local story with the Sixers that breaks, most likely it's Keith is the guy who breaks it. So, you know, uh, Keith needs, you know, deserves all the credit in the world for what he does and how good he is at his job. And I, like I said, I think both guys would probably look on the situation with regret and maybe would like to kind of do that all a little bit differently. But speaking of reporting and... Great reporting. Uh, we have to talk about Ben Simmons because that's where we are, Danny. And it's funny because I, I mentioned it before we got on the podcast. You and I, since we don't do, we don't, unfortunately, sadly, don't get the opportunity to do a podcast together anymore. When we, you and I talk, we don't talk about sports. <laughs> we just talk about <laughs> life. Um, so I really genuinely don't really know your feelings on this. I really don't know your feelings on the Ben Simmons situation and where, where, you know, where everything is and where you are and how you feel. Um, I genuinely am curious, Danny Palmelo's how, where are you right now with the Ben Simmons situation? Um, I, I do want to preface that there were, there was a report, I believe it was on Christmas, maybe during the Christmas day games where Woj talked about um, Cleveland being a team that makes a lot of sense for possibly making a push because Cleveland's off to a better start than perhaps they anticipated. And they have some good assets, whether it's with the Sixers, whether it's a multi-team trade. Um, and they mentioned a few other teams. It's the usual suspects, you know, the Minnesotas, the Sacramento's, uh, the Indiana's, the teams that have been kind of interested and linked to Ben all along. Um, so, yeah, I guess. And then also important to mention that Woj said right now teams are so worried about you know the situation with COVID and just finding guys to kind of plug holes in their roster right now that those talks have kind of softened because of that which makes you know a whole lot of sense so I guess Danny where are you with everything how are you feeling right now with everything with Ben Simmons well they need to get Joel some help and that 
is probably the easiest way to path to making that happen is to get someone for Ben Simmons. Um, yeah, before this report came out on Christmas Day, there had been, you know, the Shea Gilgis rumors out there, the Jalen Brown rumors, you know, definitely players that would be on the list of people that I would love to acquire for Simmons. I think the thing for me is that um, I'm more and more subscribed to the idea that Joel's prime window needs to be, you know, coveted and, and taken advantage of and trying to get the Sixers as close to a well-oiled machine during that time as possible. And um, solidifying the roster is the quickest way to do that. So I just – I really hope that um, it's something can get resolved this season so that this season can develop into whatever it's going to be. And then going into the next season, they'll have the camp off season and off season, the camp, and then everything else to try to, you know, you know, health notwithstanding, you know, all that stuff needs to come together to make it all work. But I don't think there's anything wrong with Ben's game, too. I just want to be on the record as saying that. I just think the Sixers need him to be more than what he is. He can go somewhere else and just be a facilitator and play in the dunker spot and bring the ball up and, you know, get triple doubles and all that. Any other another place, but he just can't be that here with, with Philly because they need him to do more. So I hear your point about Joel Embiid's prime, and I, I tend to agree with you. Like, that's – there's really nothing more important um, with when you're talking about the Sixers than maximizing an MVP big man in, in his prime. With that said, and I'm not saying that I think they should like tank this season or, or just punt this season. Like, I'm not saying that at all. Um, I, I'm on board with getting getting Joel Embiid help. But I think about some of the things that have been thrown because like I, I think that the and I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to put words in your mouth because this is that's this is not at all what you said. But what some others kind of have insinuated is Darren Morey needs to do something like at some point he just needs to take the best offer and and, and kind of just do it. Um, it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, no. And, and I'm with you because like I, I know one popular name that I've seen people throw out is CJ McCollum. And I've talked about this before. The issue with CJ McCollum is he is a non-max player on a max contract and he's got multiple years left after this year. So if you pull the trigger on that deal, you have CJ McCollum and Tobias Harris, who I think are both fine basketball players, very good basketball players, but they are not max contract players. And you're going to have two guys then on your roster that are non-max players playing under max contracts for multiple years. And he and, doesn't improve you defensively enough either. Not only that, he doesn't, he makes you worse defensively. And how much better does he honestly make you? Like, I would say, what, m like, marginally better. Um, marginally. Um, so what's worse, making a deal like that to make yourself marginally better this year, but then also possibly ruining the next two years of Joel Embiid's prime because you're, you're stuck with two Albatross contracts. So to me, right. I think it's certainly a fair point to raise about Joel Embiid's prime, and it goes back again to what we were talking about off the top, that quite frankly, does not have enough help. He needs more help. But if you make a trade and, and that's and the deal is, all right, well, we just have to take the best deal we can get. If the best deal you can get makes you only marginally better this year and doesn't help you for the future, 
then not only are you wasting this year of Joel Embiid's prime, you're wasting the next couple years of Joel Embiid's prime. Um, and I personally, I know a lot of people are fearful, and I get it because he's a big man and because the history of big men and his injury history. But with the steps Joel Embiid has taken over the re- over recent years, you know, hiring a world class dietitian, taking better care of himself in general, you know, getting the proper rest when he needs to, I think he's going to be able to give you a few more of these really good seasons. Like, I don't I don't think his prime is, like, over <laughs> at the end of this year. Like, I think his prime is going to last a, a couple years into his 30s. I think it, it's reasonable to think that. So I don't want to just make a move just because Ben Simmons is making me make a move. Like, it. don't get – Danny, no one wants this to end more than I do. Nobody. Trust me. I want it to end. But – if you're at, if it gets to be February 10th and the best deal on the table isn't that good and you think this offseason you could angle for Bradley Beal or you could angle maybe re-engage for Dame or you could try to take advantage of Jalen Brown and the Celtics and their situation imploding. If you think that's real, if you think you might be able to take advantage of that in the offseason, I'm not just going to make a trade to make a trade. I, I can't do that. And on top of that, I would add this kind of getting back to the point of I'm not punting this season away. I'm not, I'm not tanking it. Ben Simmons is not the only asset the Sixers have. They have some of their own draft picks. They have some pretty good young players. They can do other things to make this team better around Joel Embiid that, doesn't, that do not include a, a possible Ben Simmons trade. Um, Cam Reddish is a guy who, who's possibly on the market for a first-round pick. Could you perhaps swing a deal and make it? If you get Cam Reddish in here, yeah, it's not... It, it, it's not a superstar. He's not a top 25 player, but he's, he's pretty interesting. Um, he's a guy that it's, that's really taking advantage of his opportunity in Atlanta right now, showing some shot creation ability. He's six, eight has some defensive potential. Um, it, it, it's complicated when you're talking about the cap and all that with him moving forward, but it's an intriguing player that I think makes them better. So I'm just saying, I think there are ways to make the team better without a Ben Simmons trade. So it's just, I think, some people are looking at it as black and white when it is there's so much gray area in the situation. And I don't think Daryl Morey having that mindset of well, we just have to take what we can get. I think that's a losing mindset personally. I don't, that's not very Morey esque to me. I, and I definitely don't feel like they brought in Morey and Doc Rivers to be like making those types of deals or being a fifth, sixth, seventh seed, or even like fourth, they, they brought them these guys in the win and, and to be, you know, upper echelon. And, and that's the thing about the NBA, I think, is that, you know, you, you, okay, yeah, you trade Ben for CJ McCollum, that gets you to the fourth seed, the, you know, maybe the third seed or whatever it does. It's just that it, the parody just doesn't allow you. You're a second round to be. Right. You, 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 if you want to win the championship in the NBA, you have to be one of those top four teams in the league. You have to be one of those top five, not even six. I mean, I, I, you know, as good as teams like Denver and whatnot, not who the Clippers who, who get close, they still just aren't good enough. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, Toronto and Kawhi and all that, that was just, kind of an anomaly in some ways just the way that all came together obviously with um the golden state warriors having injuries and stuff like that it, it just affected things differently 
Um, you say the Bucks but, run too. Look, look at the Bucks run last year with the Nets. If if KD is a size lower in shoe size, right? Yeah, they don't win a championship. But they also had paid their dues severely. Sure, you know, being close and not getting there, and being let down, and you know, being the number one seed and and still not being good enough. So. I feel like there was still some karma and reciprocity that they were reaping from all that. So, but I feel you a hundred percent on that. Yeah. I, and I just I'm... look. Go ahead. No, I just, I just feel like all in all, I, I feel like the Sixers and the Ben Simmons thing, it needs to be resolved sooner rather than later. Yeah. I can see them waiting for the sake of, of gaining value and getting, you know, closer to dollar for dollar you know, in a trade, but I just, I don't believe that they can be great without nailing this. They have to nail it. It has to be all the pieces need to come together. It, you know, whether it's a three-team trade, two-team trade, four-team trade, that you, you got to make it work out in your favor in a way that the Sixers can catapult themselves back to being a, a front-running Eastern Conference Finals NBA Championship caliber team. Like you can't and, miss on this. I don't think right. they can miss. And that's, I think that's that's a great way to put it, Danny. Is that they can't miss on it. So like that's why Daryl Morey is being so careful, and that's why he hasn't just pulled the trigger for the sake of pulling the trigger because he knows that he knows he's got to get it right. And one thing you brought up that I want to you talk about Toronto's run. They made. Masai Ujiri made a bold – people don't – like, in retrospect, it's it, they won, so it was worth it. Right. But they made a the bold, trade. bold move, giving up DeMar DeRozan, who was a really good player for them, all-star player for years, for one year of Kawhi Leonard, knowing full well he was probably not going to resign. That was a bold, bold trade. And that he made it, and they won a championship. So that's why I think, too, like – Fortune favors the bold, and I think that's part of what Maury's thinking is too. Like, it's not bold to just give up and, and and just take whatever you can get for you know to get spare parts for Ben Simmons. That's not bold. That's just that's giving in, and that's not like I respect. What's bold is holding out this long and waiting this long, and perhaps even waiting past this year's trade line as much as I would hate it. That's a bold move. So I, I think that's goes into the thinking as well. Well, speaking of upper echelon, I want to thank Danny Palmels from NBC Sports Philadelphia, my good You're friend. Welcome, thank bro. you so much for hopping on the podcast. Um, and yeah, I thank you so much for your time, man. But I, th- I want to thank all of you so much for tuning into the Coming In For a Landing podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. I am your host, Paul Hudrick. Please rate, download, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And I will talk to you next time. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.